when I was in high school, I, uh, I had two goals that I wanted, that I was kind of looking forward to in my career path. And this was, I was a Christian at the time, but still I didn't understand that I was called to ministry. Um, and there was two things that I felt that the Lord, I felt that I would be good at. Okay. And one of those things was basketball. If you don't know why, I'll give you a pair of glasses. Um, <laughs> um, I thought that I could go play college basketball. I love basketball. I think that basketball will definitely be in heaven. The word says that every good and perfect thing comes from above, and that sport is just amazing. Um, uh, and the other thing was, and this is something that like only four people ever knew. Okay, like I was very intentional not to tell anyone because I was kind of. Uh, it should be the fourth one, Lance. Um, but uh, I was very nervous to tell people about this because it kind of doesn't seem it, it, in the, I don't know how to put it, but in the narrative of high school, it kind of feels weird when a person who's an athlete also likes to teach. So one of my goals that I wanted to do, that if I, if I was going to uh, choose um, an avenue for career, I was going to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. And so uh, long story short, um, I spent a long time praying on what I should do, and I felt the Lord call me into this. And now I get to live out my dream as a teacher doing this and teaching people with stuff that actually is going to impact lives completely to the heart. So um, I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I am excited. And I just want to reiterate what JJ said, that today um, I probably will stutter. I probably will repeat myself multiple times, and you will probably think, stop beating that horse. Um, But... I just want to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit today. And in, in the book of John, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd and the sheep know his voice. And that is a promise saying that we can hear the voice of God. We recognize what he's saying and we can take what truth in the broadness, at the broadest aspect of what it is, and we can bring it and apply it directly to our unique lifestyles in Christ. So with all that being said, um, this is going to get really weird if I keep breathing hard like that. Um, <laughs> today's topic is uh, something that I, I am convinced that as Christians, we need to continuously grow in throughout our lives. I'm convinced that there is, there is just a depth in this area that we will actually, I don't want to say we're never going to fully get to, but I want to say that there's so much gold to be mined in this facet of a Christian's personality and character. And so today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about humility and understanding that humility in a Christian's life is something that not just makes you uh, nice to be around. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just qualify you as someone's good friend. It actually empowers you and enables you to hear the voice of God and step out on what he's telling you to do. And so today we're going to look at how humility affects servanthood and obedience to the Father. Okay? So... When I, when I felt the Lord telling me to talk on this, um, I kind of was a little bit uh, just confused on the definition of humility. Um, I, I realized that I understood what the principle of being humble was. Like the, like I think we all have a general idea of what that looks like. But I, what I, I, I realized if someone asked me what is humility in the rawest form, I would have been like, and that would have been it. Um, I'd have been like, that's like holding the door open or something. I don't know. Um, I'd have just been able to give like examples. And so, and leading up to this message, I spent a very, very long time 
and prayer and study and just looking at the scriptures to try and find uh, just a definition of humility that I think we can all leave with today and agree on. So my, what, I, what I have is humility is when one takes himself off the throne of the moment to serve anyone in a life-changing way. Now, this, the, internet, the Internet's definition of humility is a low, modest view in regards to other people. When we're going to look at the character of Christ and how he exemplified humility in every way, and I just felt that that definition was so inadequate and so incomplete that I had to just put this together that way. One, I could sew up some misconceptions about being a humble servant, and two, that way we have a definition to live by and grow in as Christians. So my first, my first thing I want to talk about in this definition is that it says, when one takes himself off the throne of the moment, and what you see is that right here, I want you to understand this. Humility is, help you, is, is meant to help you become a servant, not a doormat. You are not meant to just throw all your needs on the back burner and forget about your entire life to serve everyone else and fill their needs. That is not your design. You were not designed to be Superman. I'm a huge nerd. I love Superman. I wish I could be him. Sadly, I will never be that. The best I can do is be a Holy Spirit-filled servant and Christian. That's it. So when, it's, uh, when I'm saying you don't need to become a doormat, you need to remember what your needs are, like needs that you need love. Understanding that God designed you with the capacity to receive and give love. You also need grace. Thank God for grace, because you need it. We all need it. We definitely need grace. Um, we also need community. That's the importance of this church. We, we, we are dedicated to growing with you and providing you with opportunities to just be empowered to serve other people and bring people into community. So we need all these things, and eventually we will need a break. When we continue to just serve and pour out and give everything that we are without taking a moment to assess and rest, we immediately become that pot left on the back burner that easily just becomes destroyed at Thanksgiving. So, so with, yeah, I got ahead of myself for a second. Um, so I want to I want to remind you that humility does not, it does not um, enable, cause you to get rid of rest. As you're going to grow in servanthood, as you're going to grow in obedience to God, it's important to enjoy Christianity. There are going to be some times where you have to do something you don't enjoy. That's just a part of life. Understand that. Um, but it's, there's also points where you're meant to rest. That's why God modeled the Sabbath for us. He worked for six days, and then the last day, Rested, not because he needed rest, but because he understood that his creation is going to need rest. We're created to work, to serve, and to live in obedience with him. And I want us to understand that in humility, as a, being a part of our Christian character, that hu- uh, obedience to the Father and servanthood are going to be fruit from humility. And I, I bring up this because I want us to uh, understand that when I say servanthood, I'm not just saying that if Taylor dropped her water bottle, I'm going to give it to her, okay? That's, that's I think we, mm, this thing moves. I got to be careful how much I move. Um, okay, how do I put it on right? <laughs> Commercial break.
<laughs> uh, I guess it'll work as long as it doesn't like it'll work. Um, <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad that we can just chill out like this. This is nice. It makes me feel so much better. Um, when we say the reason servanthood is so important as Christians, because it provides us with the opportunity to actually change people's lives. If I bless someone on the outside, but I don't use and seize the opportunity to sow a seed or put a pebble in someone's shoe about the gospel, about how they, need, how they might need to grow in character, about how some way that's going to incline them to look toward God and not what have they had just received, we've missed the mark. It's important that when we serve, there is a, a motive of impacting someone's heart. I think it's amazing here how that even, that happens when someone holds the door. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of people coming into church for the first time and they feel so loved and so welcomed because someone told them hi at the door. And I think about that, that if we were to show up at church and just understand that oh, I, got, I just got scheduled to serve today and that's the only reason I'm doing this. Or we live in a constant mindset of when I serve, I possibly will be able to propel someone in their spiritual journey through the kindness, through the love, through the service that I'm about to do. It's a different mindset. It's not completing a task. It's empowering someone to grow. And humility is what enables us to do so because it reminds us that our acts of service that we do are not based on our own power. When we, when we serve in love, when we lead in love, it's not just us pouring out. It's also the fact that the love of God partners with what we are doing. The Lord wants to love people. The Lord wants people to grow. The Lord wants to serve us. And so when, when the body of Christ in, just emerges and engages in that, you have now just received fuel in the gas tank. So humility is to help us become a servant and not a doormat. And this is, this is my second point on why humility is so, so crucial in a Christian's character. Humility is something that is needed at all times because we never know when we will actually need it. You may get scheduled to, if you, if you do serve in church, which by the way, if you don't, you're missing out. But um, we, got a, we got a bunch of teams we'd love for you to be on. Uh, but... Um, if you, if you do get scheduled to serve, then you, you have an idea of what's going to happen there. But there are times in the week where you are not in a servant mindset. There are times where you go to a grocery store and you're just looking for milk, eggs, and a box of, I don't know, is it cake mix? Yeah. Just looking for that. And then you feel the Holy Spirit say something in the back of your mind saying, hey, they have a person down the aisle that right now she's fighting depression. I need you to go tell her about the love that I could give her. And in that moment, you have been presented with a decision. Do I just buy this cake? Or do I tell someone the news that can set them free forever? Sure. And so it's so important that as we continue to grow in humility, that we just try to embody it as much as possible because the opportunities to reach people, to serve them, will always be around. It's just going to be up to us if we see them. Humility allows us to see them. After, so with, with the big point of this, humility is when one takes himself off the throne 
of the moment to serve anyone in a life-changing way. I also want to state this. The reason I said anyone is because there are times where humility needs to serve you. I think about the first time I heard about grace. Heard about the grace of God. Heard about how it's just his unmerited favor. There's nothing I can do to earn it. And then, and then I started to understand that I actually need it. It's not just some kind of cool coupon to the kingdom of God. It's literally the fact that this is something I need to live in. That I can't save myself. I'll never be able to work for it. I have to walk in this grace. I need to live in this grace. In that moment, that's the most awesome thing in the world. Understand that I'll never be able to lose the favor, the, the favor of God, the sonship of God, my calling, my place. I'll never lose that. But it was also humbling for the fact that I understand I can't save myself. I had to open up my eyes and accept the fact that I need this and there's going to be no other alternative. So there's times where we have to let truth influence our humility. Because the truth of the matter is when we care about people more than we care about our comfortability, humility becomes easier. We care about what the truth says, humility becomes easier. When we care about what happens in people's lives, it becomes easier. Humility is a facet of Christianity that is interwoven into every area. You ever been around a person who loves to talk about themselves? If you haven't, um, assess your friend's circle. Uh, just because it might be you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I've never been around that person. Let me tell you about No. <laughs> that was so bad. Anyway, um, it's, it's important that if we're, if we're going to be in community, we stay humble. Because hum humility is refreshing. I love being around people who ask me about my day, who ask me about what I'm going through, and then tell me about how I can get out of it. Like, I want to I highlight somebody who doesn't even like to be highlighted. You know Natalie was just dancing in the back telling me to get out of my head? <laughs> That's humility. Even though she looked like a complete fool, and I was just trying to pray, it's still humility. It is what it is. That's humility in the rawest form, because she was trying to benefit me in a way that changed and got me out of what was holding me back. We see that this is the definition of humility, but I want to show us now how Christ exemplified humility. In the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and in chapter 2, he encourages them to adopt the attitudes, other translations say mindset, of Christ. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to their interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. We see that humility is the attitude of Christ. Because it's, it's, it says right there, I believe it's first, yeah, I don't have it labeled, but it's verse three. It says everyone should not look to their own interests, but rather to the interests of others. And then it goes into say, adopt the same attitude. That's so crucial because Jesus is a part of the Godhead. Okay? He is equal to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. He's not below, he's not above. He's equal to them, the, most, the highest name above every other name. The name that sets people free. The name that loves you better than anything. The name that was in the beginning of creation. Who was there, who was present. 
who Adam and Eve was able to walk with. This, this guy wasn't just, didn't just show up on the scene in B.C. 0. This, he was here since eternity. Equal to God in power and majesty and worth of our praise. And he considered none of that when he decided to come down here to earth and live for us and die for us and rise again so we can have life and life abundantly. That's so important because we see it happen into the, we see his humility influence his decision to come and live for us and provided and provide an opportunity for us to live for him. Now, there was a lot of things that were in that decision. There was definitely love. There was definitely necessity for the fact that humans needed salvation. We weren't getting it. Um, only a couple were sometimes getting lucky. Uh, there was many factors, but understanding that the humility of his character is what allowed him to say, all those other reasons for me to stay are not worth it. So, we see this in the entire life of Jesus. And I want to zoom in on a moment in Matthew chapter 14. Because I want, to, I want us to see this picture of how the hardest time, at, it, at the times where it's the hardest for us to be humble, it is the most needed for us to be humble. In Matthew chapter 14, we have, we have heartbreaking news that shows up to the family of Jesus. So let's just, let's just read it. Starting in verse 1, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. And he says, this is John the Baptist. He told his servants he has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, since John had been telling him it is not lawful for you to have her. I want to point out the humility of John as well, because he stuck up for truth. And the fact that because it wasn't pleasing to God, and the fact that what uh, his name's Herod, what he, what he was doing was causing major, major ripples and division in his own kingdom. John stood up for what was right. And because of it, kind of took a little bit of backlash. And he gets chained up and he gets imprisoned. And it says, though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. And when Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before them and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she answered, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. That is not humility. All right. Out of all the things I can ask for as a gift, I'm not asking for someone's head. Okay? And I know she was prompted by her mother, but still, I would, be, I would literally just be like, That is an outrageous gift. You're crazy. Um, so she asked for that, and King Herod regrets it, but because he promised he would give her whatever she wanted, he honors it. And so John's disciples come and find him, and they bury him, and then they go and report it to Jesus. And in verse 13 and 14, this is what we see. Is when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. I want you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes right now. He's just experienced that he's lost a family member. This is someone he's grown up with. And also understanding John's place in the meta-narrative of Scripture, that he was a person who was preparing the way for Jesus. So John was actually a person who understood Jesus. He wasn't, like, in Jesus' lifetime, he wasn't, all, everybody else was like, that kid's weird. 
That's why he got picked on. And he, why is he in the temple? And John is probably one of the only people in his life, other than his mom, that is like, no, that dude's doing exactly what we all should be doing. And he was 100% for him and what he is coming to bring to the earth. And so in Jesus' mind, his whole, I can imagine the flesh of Jesus is fighting extremely hard right now. That right now, I just want to, I just want to seclude myself. I need to be alone. I need to mourn. I need to refresh. I need to think this through. I need to think this how this affects everyone else. I need to see how, am I really hurt and what, what's going on? I need, to, I need to assess. And in this moment, he flees and he tries to go be alone. But then it says, when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went to shore, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. When I was reading this, it actually made no sense to me. Because I know if someone dear to me had just died, I don't want to be at church serving. I want to be at home. I want to be napping. I want to be mourning. I want to be doing whatever makes me the most comfortable. That way I can be brought back up. And I'm not against mourning. I want you to understand, I'm not against that. But because Jesus was so humble in that moment, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, this is an opportunity for people's lives to be changed. If you walk and obey this, it's going to reap some serious fruit. And Jesus was presented with a decision, do I just blow them all off in the time where it's the most acceptable to do it? Or do I accept the task of helping them? in creating an opportunity for people to be changed. Another point I want to highlight is, is, is humility caused him to have compassion. On, on the times where I'm serving out of obligation, I'm the most annoyed. I'm the most annoyed. Because those are times where I'm like, bro, okay, they should be doing this, someone needs to be here, they're not doing that in the most essential way. Totally task-oriented and not people-oriented. And so when we let humility affect our character, in those moments you have tasks that are going to be there throughout the week. We have lives, we have work, we have things we need to do. But our humility in our character is going to take those normal tasks and transform them into opportunities for the kingdom of God to grow and be expanded in people's lives. I bring up the fact that he had compassion in his serving because I need, we need to understand that if we lack compassion in our serving, our compassionate serving turns into mundane work. We see this all throughout scripture and even the example of Jesus Christ that love is actually what changes things. And I know love and compassion are the same word, but I'm pretty sure they're like almost twins. So, so it, it works the same way. When we serve, we need to have compassion. We need to care for people. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be, okay, let me just do this for you because somebody has to do it. I get to do this for you. I get to be an avenue for the power of God to flow out through little things. We're not asking you to do something out of the wazoo that's like unheard of. Just incorporate humility into what you're doing already and you'll watch the kingdom of God grow in people. You'll see the love that you're partnering with change their hearts. You'll see it change your own heart. Compassion in our serving is what empowers us to have power while we serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And at the end of the chapter, it says, Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is what changes you and I, and it's going to be the same mechanism that the body of Christ is going to use to change the world. That's how it started. That's how it's going to end. We can't find a new pattern. The pattern is Jesus came, he served, he loved, people got set free, they got healed, the kingdom grew. We're going we're gonna to copy the same model, and we're going to see the same results. It's said multiple times here at this church, God's, God's intents and God's model produces God's results. Serving others will not change our will not change anyone's lives if we do not let our character grow in humility. Because humility is going to be what empowers us to have compassion, to have love, to not put ourselves above others, but elevate them in significance so we can serve them. When I was in high school, I I had known the Lord for a very long time. I've been saved since I was eight years old. I was raised in church. I had a radical moment with the Holy Spirit and when I was eight years old, listening to How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. And in that moment, it hit me that the only way to actually answer that question is to ask the question again. And I've known the Holy Spirit for a very long time and I've grown with him for so long. And looking back at my life, I've always, know, I've always noticed that people have thought I've, got, I've been doing well. I can, I can say that everyone said high opinions of me. The Lord has really blessed me with favor among people. I don't know why, but hey, it is what it is. Um, and looking back at my life and looking back at high school and looking at all the decisions I made, I realized that even though I was a Christian and I had a relationship with the Father and I knew and I, and I was gifted in the Holy Spirit, I was still not humble. And I understand the opposite in the next spectrum makes our minds jump to the fact, well, this guy must have thought he was hot stuff. Because that's usually, if they're not humble, they're prideful. And maybe that statement is true, but not in, the, not in the way that we might think, that I walk around better than everyone, or, or just no one is able to gain access to the power of God. I knew the truth. I knew the gospel. I still do. But there's definitely been something that has, that has changed since high school. I realized that the thing that set me free, the gift that was given to me, was given for me to share. If I could go back to high school, there would be so many people that I would tell that God loves them. That the patterns that they're doing right now, that they were doing then, are not bringing them any form of fulfillment or just purpose. I look back in high school and sometimes I get sad because I really missed out on those opportunities for the Holy Spirit to change a place just by telling people. This is what I want to leave you with. It's okay if you're not humble yet. Everyone needs a humble beginning. Humility has to start somewhere. If we really want to start reaching Crowley for Jesus, 
we really wanna start seeing youth rise up, if we actually wanna see people empowered in ministry, the church grown, the, the state of Louisiana experience revival, and then eventually the country of the U.S., if we wanna see that, it's gonna to have to take some humility for us to say yes to the things the Holy Spirit is calling us to walk in, to step to, the people we're called to love. If there's one thing I know about growth, is there are growing pains. I'm 6'5", I've had them for a long time. From a very young age. Growing pains are a thing. But the fruit of growth is more valuable to everyone than your comfortability is to everyone. I'm gonna pray and I just wanna take a moment and I want, us to, I want us to all just stand and I want us to all just tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want, I want to just remind you that it's okay. It's okay if there is an area the Holy Spirit's going to highlight to you. That's actually what we want. We want the Holy Spirit to bring change, to bring realignment. But it's going to take you to accept that it can happen. That there might be, there might be something that we are missing. And whether that just points out a behavior that we're we're not addressing or that points out that hey I, the Holy Spirit wants to say something with something in the crowd whatever that looks like I want us to intentionally engage in humility and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and then listen for what he wants to say Father God thank you for today we thank you for who you are we thank you for your son we thank you for all that you're doing God Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit speak to us. Our hearts are ready. Father God, I just pray that you humble our hearts, God. Knock down the walls of our hearts so we can feel you and hear you and experience you, Lord. Father God, we are so thankful for all that you're doing, God, in this church. We come in humility and ask, Lord, that you just continue to use us to reach people. Give us the eyes to see what you're doing. Show us how to engage in what you're asking us to do, Lord. And Lord, help us to serve with your love because that is going to be the power that brings change to people and to this world, Lord. Father God, I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.